0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. This week, um, or leading up to camp, about about a month before camp, I was listening to this song, and sometimes God speaks to me through worship and prayer. And this declaration and this statement came to me. And it was, I speak Jesus. And at first I was like, well, you know, this song is called I Speak Jesus. So maybe, yeah, whatever. But it just kept coming in my head. I speak Jesus. And then I was out visiting some people that don't, that don't attend this church. And they wanted to pray with me for camp. Three different individuals in different provinces. And as they're praying, I didn't say anything about it, but as they're praying, they say, we just feel like we're supposed to say, I speak Jesus. And then last Saturday night, we're in a prayer time, and two different people, without knowing, declare, I speak Jesus, right before camp. And you might say, well, what, what's that got to do with it? It's just the name. It's not about the letters. It's the power in the name. Right? And over the past six months or so, with our children's ministry and with our youth ministry, I've come to this place where this, there's this, this fire in my heart to be rooted Throughout this summer, uh, our youth ministry, we've been taking turns as leaders each week and we're writing a devotional. And the theme of the devotional is rooted, planted firm, growing tall, extending out. And we're doing that and we're sharing about what it means to be planted firm in our faith, what it means to be growing tall in the Lord and extending out in our community. And can I share something with you? I think that's key for today. We need that today. We need to be rooted. We need to be planted firm. Anything can be rooted, but if you're not planted firm, then you can be uprooted. And so that leads to the title of my message today. It's called Preparing the Way, Make a Straight Path. So if you could name the biggest crisis in North America today, what would you say it is? Maybe it's that the Leafs have not won a playoff round since 2003. Or maybe it's COVID. What's this, year three, year four of COVID? Are we still in COVID? Maybe, maybe not. Or how about maybe the fact that we're kind of entering a recession, And while all those things may or may not be important to you, maybe they have varying levels of importance. Maybe here's one that should be of the most importance. That in our society today, in our world today, we lack identity. We lack identity in our town, in our province, in our nation, and our world. And all of a sudden, it's like it came out of nowhere. There's this issue of mental health. It's taking the world by storm. Before COVID, in the United States, one in five people had a mental health condition. If you want a number, that's 47.1 million. In 2020 alone, that number increased by 1.5 million. I firmly believe that a lot of this comes from a lack of identity today and therefore with no identity feeds a lack of purpose. We need to be rooted. We, didn't know, we need to know who we are and what we're purposed for. Or else we'll just continue to go searching for something that's not real. So I want to go to Matthew 3, verses 1 to 12. So Matthew 3, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to start with verses 1 to 6. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So to start out, When I'm reading scripture, oftentimes I get caught up in phrases and wording. And initially, when I first read this scripture, the first phrase that stood out to me was the phrase, in those days. What's that got to do with anything? In those days. Why not in this day? Why don't you just say, like, a long time ago in a land far, far away? But they say, in those days. So if we look at the historical timeline, if we look from chapters 2 to chapters 3, there's a 30-year gap. There's a 30-year gap from the birth of Jesus to the arrival of this guy named John. And if we were to look at a larger scale... There's a 400-year gap between the last time the Lord spoke to Israel through a prophet and now John the Baptist. 400 years. That's generation after generation after generation after generation of not hearing, seeing, or experiencing anything from God. They, they went about their lives every day being told that they should believe in something that they didn't experience, hear, or see. At that point, you got to think it just felt like a textbook. Like they're just reading out of a textbook about things that are supposed to come true, but nothing's happening. This God loves me, but he's not speaking. This God created me, but he's not here. I'm praying, but he's not responding. So think of that. 400 years, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this guy wearing a, cam- a clothing made out of camel's hair, And a leather belt. And he's saying, The kingdom of heaven is near. After 400 years of nothing. I don't know about you, but I would think he's a lunatic. 400 years, hasn't heard anything. And all of a sudden, they get this guy, his name's John, he's out in the wilderness. It's pretty loud, maybe a little abrasive. He's passionate. And he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is near. And Matthew even says, this is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Take that in for a minute. 400 years since the prophet spoke. And now John's here. And 400 years ago, the, the prophet Spoke of John. He gave John identity and he gave John purpose through the Lord. John's identity and purpose is spoken into existence. He is to be the voice in the wilderness. That's his identity. He is the voice. His purpose to prepare the way, to make straight paths. So how does that relate to our culture today? Well, if we think about it, we're all kind of stuck, we're all, in some ways we all feel kind of stuck in the wilderness. John's in the wilderness. What is the wilderness? May I say the wilderness is where he is? The people around him? The culture he is in. Complete and utter wilderness. No sign of a path. No living hope. Instead, he's surrounded by people who are manipulative. People who are hypocritical. And people who are violent. And if we relate to that to our own world today, I think our world likes to manipulate. Our world can be fairly hypocritical. And more than ever, our world's increasing in violence. And if we're to think of that, maybe, just maybe, it's because very few of us have had a God-given word spoken over our lives one that gave us identity and drove us in purpose. Maybe it's because between generations we failed to speak life and belief. We've gotten so used to hearing authority's voice and thinking it's God's, when really we we need to take from the word, we need to take his word's, Parents, grandparents, spiritual fathers and mothers, mentors, leaders, influencers. When it comes to the generations behind you and even ahead of you, may you speak over their lives as the prophet Isaiah did for John. That your prayer and words of encouragement would not just be for them to say a prayer of salvation. Can I stop right there for a moment? Some of you aren't going to like when I say this. A simple prayer of I just want my kids to be saved isn't enough today. I just want my kids to be saved. It's not enough today. Any kid can say I follow God. God. Any person can say, I follow God. But if there is no purpose attached to what they're following, it's worthless. We need to have words of encouragement, purposeful words, that we would pray, speak, and to believe into what God has created each of us individually and generationally for. Verse Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We're to encourage. We're to speak life. But it doesn't stop there. There's a building. You can't just say, give an encouragement and then walk away and never say anything again. You got to build the person up. If we look at the life of Jesus as he's going with as he as the as he travels with the disciples he's encouraging them but he's also building them up for when he leaves so that they may be the extension of his ministry they're being built up for something something that's more than them today we need warriors builders and planters. Each generation should be at war for the next. To be a warrior in Christ that will not admit defeat. To go to battle for the generations behind us and the generations before us. To pray and to seek that God would do exceedingly and abundantly more. To be a builder for a kingdom and to see that vessel that God wants to use and build them up in truth through prayer, encouragement, and prophetic biblical word. What are you building today? Who are you building today? Are you building them through the word of God? Or are you tearing them down? Then there's the planter. We need to see where God is wanting to plant someone, where God is wanting to plant a generation. And we have to be be willing to allow ourselves to help them be planted in that. So that we may water and nurture that person, to nurture that generation, so that they may become firmly rooted. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Psalm 1 verse 3. Going from verses 7 to 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. As multi-generations of believers... When we see people trying to form their own spirituality, in order to show others that they can have their own identity and purpose through their own being and doing, we should not let it go ahead. We should stand firm and call it out. To call them into a higher way where the, the cost of our selfishness is being set aside and we're following something that will better us in the end. We can't build our faith upon cultures of generations. We need to build cultures of generations upon faith. Because if we do the opposite, we will we'll will try and build ourselves and build our belief systems upon present trends. And it's in those very moments where a cycle begins. A generation goes from searching for identity to creating identity to falling in that identity. The evidence of this is what we just read. The Pharisees and the Sadducees pressing on people to live a certain way that is more based upon the trend of the society than the law of God. We need to be planted by streams of water. The tree is us, the water is the spirit. The spirit of the living God is truth. When we are planted, we are built to last, not to wither, to stay refreshed and not burnt, to stay distinct and not passive. The definition of passive, accepting or allowing what happens or what others do without an active response or resistance. Distinct, recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type. Passivity is the acceptance of selfishness in myself and others. To be distinct is to reject passivity and live truthfully. I've been so caught up lately in uh, the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor and martyr, and in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he opened the first chapter with these words, when a man comes to Christ, he bids him come and die. So what do these words mean? Well, Bonhoeffer writes these words in the midst of a concentration camp, condemned to death by the Nazi regime in the closing days of World War II. He gave of his life for Christ, and he wasn't passive in what, he wasn't passive what other people were telling him. He was distinct in what he was to live. To live in passivity is to live and conform to the societal trend or push. To live distinctly is to set aside everything, no matter what the cost, to better know who we are, what we are doing, and where we are going. Verses 11 to 12: I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I, I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the holy fire, the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. You know what I love about John the Baptist? He knew who he was, and he knew who he wasn't. He knew he wasn't the most powerful one. There was one more powerful to come. He knew he was the voice. He wasn't the message. He prepared people for the one to come. He wasn't the one to fill them. He was to give warning, not final judgment. Imagine if we lived in that same awareness today, to know who we are in the eyes of Christ and what we are purposed for, to not build an identity in something that we're not, to not be the shaft in the fire, but the tree planted by the water, to be rooted in a way that is reflective of the time we came out of the water and walked in a walk because the Spirit filled us. A few weeks ago, we had water baptism. It's that symbolic thing of I, I'm dying to what I was, and now I have a new identity in who I am, who Christ has called me to be, who Christ has spoken to my life. You see, when we live in a way where we're trying to shape our own identity, our own purpose, oftentimes we get stuck in a way where we're constantly having to reinvent it. Because from generation to generation, there will always be something new. We will always have to reinvent who we are for the next generation. But in Christ, there's no reinvention. We are to press for him. So how, so how, do, we, how do we, generation to another generation... Before us and behind us. How how do we press each other on in these things? First off, we write down, believe, and pray who God has called them to be. Individually and generationally. So often we get focused on the individual. But I, I believe God blesses generations too and asks generations to walk in certain things. Number two, we call it the giftings we see in them. The giftings aren't meant to be stagnant, the giftings are meant to move. I remember the year, my year off between high school and Bible college, and I wasn't sure what what I was going to do. And so I finally decided to apply to Bible college, and it was very much I was taking a chance. Because I didn't really know if this is, I, I felt like God wanted me to go there, but I didn't really know if I wanted to go there. And I remember I filled out this application, and I had to get a few other references. And they, they had to write down the giftings they saw in my life. And I remember one, fr- one guy asked me, Brett, what are, what are the giftings you see in your life? I looked at him, and in a classic kid answer, I went, I don't know. And I remember I sat there for 20 minutes not knowing a single thing of a gifting God had put on my life. 20 minutes of complete awkwardness because I didn't know. And after 20 minutes, I thought, well, you know, my parents always prayed when I was growing up that God would give me a spirit of discernment. And I've seen that at small portions in my life. And so, you know what? Maybe, that, maybe that's one. So I gave him that. But I didn't know the rest. I didn't know the giftings. Said I could throw a football pretty well. That's not a gifting, that's a talent. I like sports. It's not a gifting. I'm decently I'm decent with kids. Is that a gifting? I don't know. But ever since then I the giftings have been called out of me. And thirdly, the way people took time to prepare the way for me to walk. They've given me warning. They've given me advice. They've prayed and they've spoken over my life. They've prepared the way so that I may walk a straight path. Can I share something with you? A crooked path will always look straight when you're walking it. Because you will always walk it thinking you're going in a purposeful direction, but really you'll just be going in loops. About a month ago, I had the joy of being able to do some chapel speaking at Willow Springs Camp, just in Stowville. And I spoke for their junior high week, and I spoke ten times in six days. And while that was a complete joy and blessing... And very tiring. I truly left more impacted by the life and zeal of a nine-year-old girl. Her parents are pastors and former missionaries. This girl in her life at just the age of nine has already lived in six to seven different countries. And yet having experienced so much as a pastor's kid and a missionary kid and seeing the good and the bad. She still had the confidence and the boldness to come up to me one day and so boldly tell me, Brett, I'm going to be a pastor one day. And throughout the rest of the week, whenever I was there for breakfast, chapel, dinner, or chapel again, she was attached to my hip. it It was like she was glued. I couldn't get her off, you know? And she was asking me questions about ministry, how to best share Jesus with people. She was asking to read my sermon notes. And when she got my sermon notes, she'd ask, why do you write it like this? Why do you phrase things like that? Brett, that doesn't even make sense. Oh, the humility. (laughs) Is that inspiring yet, though? On the Thursday night at that camp, I spoke on going. And I don't think I've ever said you got to go so many times in one message or in a day, let alone 20 minutes. You got to go. You got to go love your neighbor. You got to go share the gospel. And I left that night not sure of what the response was. Left that night not sure of how it was taken. But I remember I came back Friday morning. And a leader for that girl's cabin came up to me. And she said, I just want to share something with you. She, that girl last night went into her cabin with two friends she had made this week. They had never heard of Jesus. And she broke down and explained Romans 8 to them, verse by verse. And in the same time, led them to Christ. Verse by verse, explaining what the gospel is and who this guy named Jesus is that Brett keeps speaking about for the whole week. And why they got to go. And while the zeal and the passion for this girl is evident. And the call is distinct. We cannot go without recognizing that this girl has clearly had people do each of the previous three things for her. And it was so evident, I was so inspired, to the point on the night where her mom came to pick her up for camp, I went up to her mom and I thanked her mom. And I said, thank you to you and your husband for pouring into this your daughter and allowing your daughter to walk in what she's been purposed for. Thank you for seeing the call and not hanging up. And then for that girl, I shared a few words of encouragement for her that I'll keep between her and myself. But if anything, I said this to her. Keep inspiring. You've inspired me. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.